am I the reader for this? You know, because I imagine, and I might be wrong, but I imagine a lot of younger audiences might not be familiar with Claude McKay. They might not be familiar with some of his work. They might not be familiar totally with the Harlem Renaissance, to be quite honest. So it could be something to get triggered, a younger audience to say, well, let me find out more. But they would have to know that Claude McKay is a person who existed and not just a fictional name, you know? And so I think that that's, that's a little work in a young adult novel that I'm not 100% sure the readers would automatically go to. Well, All right. it's another Welcome show. everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Hi. another episode of Bookish. I'm here. This is Laura and I'm here with our friends Sylvia and Kofi. Today I'm going to do our little introduction. We're going to be talking about Gabriel Bump's novel called Everywhere You Don't Belong and that's the book. So Gabriel Bump grew up in South Shore, Chicago. He received his MFA in fiction from University of Massachusetts Amherst. And his first novel, Everywhere You Don't Belong, was a New York Times notable book of 2020 and has won the Ernest J. Gaines Award for Literary Excellence. He also won the Great Lakes Colleges Association New Writers Award for Fiction and various other awards for this novel. He loves baseball, basketball, birds, and long strolls. And that introduction is on his faculty website at University of North Carolina. Yeah, so that's a little bit about Gabriel. And we uh, actually are very lucky that he's going to be visiting Howard Community College on Thursday, September 22nd. He will be doing a keynote address for the Bowder Lecture Series in Smith Theater on campus, 12.30 to 1.30. And I believe that event is open to uh, the public and it's free. So I invite you to check out the information on HCC website for that event information. Listening to the introduction and reading the book and reading some of the, the blurbs that people gave the book, I was struck by how much of it felt like a YA book, like it was like a young adult novel. It was definitely a coming of age story. And in a way, I wondered if I was the audience for that, for this book. And I've had this thing about coming-of-age stories that seem to be similar in thread. Like, you know, you have a young person growing up in a city, you know, the family is not necessarily dysfunctional, but just kooky in their ways. And thinking about the grandma, I'm thinking about Paul in the early parts. And then, you know, the protagonist goes through these trials and tribulations, and it felt like a very familiar narrative. But I also felt like the book was really, I think the word was clean, like the way the writing of it was rendered was really good. And so there's a lot that I like about the, the book in terms of the writing, in terms of the structure. But I think as a story, I wondered, am I the right audience for this? And, mm -hmm. you know, I was wondering, since we do a lot of reading of a variety of books, how to situate this in that context. And so I, I mm. just sort of wanted to throw that out there and not to, you know, make it a good or a bad, but just, you know, as a book club, as a casual book club, mm -hmm. I wonder, are we 
some of the things that as the college embarks on bringing different writers, you know, the question of audience comes to mind because I think the way this book may be used is to try to show students a struggle that is somewhat overcome by the protagonist or there's some bigger meaning about belonging that I think there have been plenty other texts that may fit in that same vein. So I've just, you know, wondered about that and it was wanted to put that out there. Yeah, that's a very, I definitely got the same sense of it being more of like a YA young adult novel type of feel. Like, I think you're right. The idea of, I think we call it a buildings Roman, right? Like a coming of age story where you have all of the characteristics of it kind of checked off, right? Like you were talking about some of them, Kofi. And I was wondering the same thing. Like if our students, college students, younger college students are the audience for this, then what are they meant to take away from that? Because, you know, spoiler alert, the main character drops out of college (laughs) and, you know, for all intents and purposes, doesn't go back, you know, and the book is aptly titled, is titled Everywhere You Don't Belong. (laughs) So I was wondering, I was like, I was just scratching my head at some point and I was thinking so, and for our listeners out there, you'll get a sense of why it's called Everywhere You Don't Belong, because that's kind of the central focus of the novel is this young protagonist Claude McKay Love, you know, is trying to find where he belongs, where he fits in. It's not home, you know, he needs to get out of there, but at the same time, he doesn't want to get out of there, but at the same time, where he goes is not exactly a place of belonging either. And, you know, it's just a really interesting idea that, you know, I don't know, I was surprised because I I wasn't expecting the, the book, is this the book connection book? To be about a protagonist. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's like, isn't it connected with our book connection, book of the year or something like that? Yeah, I think we like chose it. Yeah, we chose it. So I think it's an interesting kind of, it's an interesting message, I guess, right? Everywhere you don't belong. And then the the main character just drops out of college and then flees to like an island on a beach or something somewhere, uh, you know, like you just don't know. But I agree with you, Kofi. I thought the writing was really clean i thought it was i was laughing at some points like just the comedic timing oh, yeah. his lines are just cracking me up and just the way he brings these characters to life like paul who mm-hmm. just was hilarious. <laughs> he was just the like one of the most memorable characters i've read in a long time <laughs> and the way that he, and also sad but really funny and you know i just thought he did a great right. job of kind of capturing that you know those background characters and but not keeping them as these sort of like flat one note characters either right i loved paul i think paul was funny and tragic and comedic and all of those things rolled into one and he and that character was the one that i could really picture like being in a tv show or a movie right i mean i could imagine the whole novel as a movie but i really could picture paul sort of in his his actions or words and so on and but it took me a while in the beginning to understand the relationship (laughs) between grandma and paul and the rest of the characters. But I want to kind of go back to what you said, Sylvia, about the belonging, you know, that question. And what the book is basically the character trying things out and trying out different people too, right? And like, is this it? Is this where I belong? Is this who I'm meant to be with? And is this my person? Are these my people? Or is this what I'm meant to be doing? And I 
was really struck by how determined Claude was to leave and to go to this college, even though he had these questions about like, should I, shouldn't I? And everyone else is saying you shouldn't go. So that determination, I wonder, like, where did that come from? And it seemed not necessarily about getting a college degree necessarily, even though he wanted to become a journalist, but about going on that search to find the place, right, the place where he belongs. And so you're right at the end when he doesn't stay and he says, I don't belong here. And he said that several times, right, towards the end of the novel, I don't belong here. It made me sad, but it also like made me check my assumptions about what it takes to pull yourself out of a bad situation that it has to be college Mm -hmm. and that I thought Mm -hmm. of that as oh good he's gonna go to college and make something of himself and I think that is the reader assumption right and actually just my class the other day we were talking about myths and one of my students said you know I think one of the more deeply held myths is in America is that you have to go to college or you don't have a life. You can't have a successful mm-hmm. life if you don't go to college. And and which I hope she'll pursue that in her paper when she uh, writes about this. But so it really did make me as a reader check that assumption, you know, and, and she says, oh my gosh, what is the, I'm blanking on the friend's name. Which the one? Friend, girlfriend, sister, girlfriend, Janice? sister, friend. <laughs> yes. <Is it> Janice? <laughs> you know, yeah. she's, Yeah, she says several times, we can do anything, right? We can go anywhere and we can do anything. And and I, when she said that, and I actually listened to it on the audiobook. So the the way she said it, the way it sounded to me uh, in the audiobook, like, I really believe that, like, yes, (laughs) it made me think I could do anything. And so I, I love that comment. And I think at the end, that's what they do, right? To see if they can, in fact, do anything. Yeah, you know, one of the one of the other things that was sort of sticking in my head was the name Claude McKay Love. And I don't think I was just about to say that. You know, the Jamaican American poet, one of his famous poems is If We Must Die. And Mm -hmm. that is about really fighting for your place, right? You're you're not gonna die like a hog. You're not gonna accept the indignious an inglorious spot rather, or you're not going to be hungry or go through these pains anymore. So you're going to fight back. And I didn't necessarily think that that's what Claude McKay Love was doing. It felt like he was running in some ways or trying to find some mythical place where I guess he kind of did find that I wondered if was it really about, you know, say a young African-American male's coming of age or is it about this particular person representing an idea of what belonging can be, which you know sort of kind of goes a little against the grain of who Claude McKay was as a writer, but that that kind of stuck in my head. Like you know, you're use, you're signifying at one end, but you're doing something a little bit different on the other end. So. There were so many things about the book that kind of made me wonder, you know, in that regard, in terms of literature and using certain tropes or certain motifs, like, you know, referencing sports figures, most of them black male sports figures as sort of these heroic symbols or symbols of, you know, I'm thinking about the early parts when 
was talking about watching or not watching, but the, the whole thing about Dennis Rodman, who represent he never really fit in anywhere, if you think about it. So I was looking for a kind of symmetry that would connect back to Claude McKay. I don't know why. Maybe that's just my reading sensibilities. And it just didn't hold up in, in a way for me on that regard. And that's not fair for Gabriel Bump. But <laughs> if you're using a name like Claude McKay, you know, you, you have to understand that there is that's signifying something. And I would be curious on the use that name and some of the other names. So I had a very similar experience because, you know, that was the first thing that stood out to me about the book when I picked it up, that the protagonist is named Claude McKay Love. And I thought that's a very, like a lot of times people will, authors will, you know, name characters after other like literary figures, but rarely do I see someone actually take the whole name like Claude McKay <laughs> in a way that's really obvious. And so I thought, okay, he really wants us to know that this character is alluding to this poet. And so I had the same sort of struggle with as, as you did, Kofi, um, in trying to figure out, like, because If We Must Die is a poem that, you know, in class I used to teach. And I can kind of see echoes of that poem, right? Let Us Die fighting back in that last kind of climactic scene where he and Janice and, um, is it Juna? Are, their new friend Juna are kind of like in this like showdown at the motel. <laughs> and there's like, right bullets and violence, everything. I can see sort of echoes of that poem, but throughout the whole novel, I was trying to figure out the significance of naming your character directly after such a well-known, you know, figure of the Harlem Renaissance and like, you know, adding love at the end of that name as well. And trust me, like I did all sorts of literary mental gymnastics and trying to like <laughs> make the connections. And then I realized, you know, for me, characters like the, ancillary characters like Paul, Grandma, Janice, like they started to serve as a sort of chorus for me in terms of the poet, like, kind of like in a Greek, like or a classical play where you have, you know, the, the character kind of going through these things and then you have a chorus, you know, kind of, it, you know, bringing in their different dimensions, you know, and their different perspectives. So you have Grandma who's just like tough as nails and, you know, loud about it and then you have Paul who's just this really emotional like being who lives in his own body very you know very much so and then you have Janice who to me was the strongest one of those voices and so I I kind of like they're kind of like a chorus and then I shifted my idea like later on and I thought maybe they're kind of like muses you know in, in the sense that Apollo mm -hmm. has you know these different air like sources of inspiration you know that are kind of informing their different you know, choices, even poetic choices, but in this case, like choices in life or not, you know? And so I think it was, I couldn't really get a sense of Claude himself, like as a character over the novel in the sense that I get some other like characters until the very end when he begins to start making these choices, like, you know, moving away for college or, you know, leaving college, even when he gets there and he doesn't really fit in and you know, the, the newspaper editor and the faculty advisor are basically telling him to solve racism or, you know, like be the black voice on this giant university campus. Even then, he doesn't really say anything. You know, he's not, he doesn't want to do it, but he doesn't say, he doesn't confront that. He just sort of 
you know, Janice appears and then he sort of runs away, you know, to go be with her. Mm. So these things all happen upon him, you know, and then I, and then I, I don't know, I just was trying to kind of make that final connection between how these muses or maybe the chorus kind of informs who he is. And then the ending sort of just, you know, like I felt like they put the ending in a raft and sailed it out to sea. And, you know, I don't, I'm not mad about it, but it's just interesting. It made it hard for me to kind of, you know, like you, I struggled with the idea of like the name of the character as it relates to the poetic figure. And then maybe that's my hangout. But then, you know, why name your character? So like literally after, you know, the, the poet, I don't know. Yeah, it's like if I made a character named Ralph Ellison Johnson. <laughs> People are not going to pay attention to the Johnson. They're going to pay attention to the Ralph Ellison part. And right. so, or Zora Neale Hurston McGillicuddy, you know, or some other. So it's like, you know. That should be a nice character in your writing, <laughs> Kofi. I think this character might write itself, Zora Neale Hurston Just with the name, yeah. That's awesome. You know, it, when yeah. you signify or you, you're signaling out to things, it conjures up in a reader. Now, again, that's why I go back. Am I the reader for this? You know, because I imagine, and I might be wrong, but I imagine a lot of younger audiences might not be familiar with Claude McKay. They might not be familiar with some of his work. They might not be familiar totally with the Harlem Renaissance, to be part, quite honestly. So it could be something to get triggered a younger audience to say, well, let me find out more. But they would have to know that Claude McKay is a person who existed and not just a fictional name, you know? And so I think that that's, that's a little work in a young adult novel that I'm not 100% sure the readers would automatically go to. And quite frankly, even those of us who might use the book in the classroom, if they're not aware of who Claude McKay was, they could move to kind of oversimplify his characterization, you know, because I think he is kind of a complex character and bumps Claude McKay love. But he, I don't know if he was fully drawn even by the end. I feel like, I think I was doing a lot more work to, to draw him out because of the chorus, if we look at it, or muses, or because of the other characters surrounding him you know in a way if that makes sense well maybe that's the point yeah i mean i that totally I, I felt the same way kofi and i think now that you're talking about like maybe that makes sense like maybe claude mckay love is supposed to be like this every man you know or like a insert name here you know and you see that that's a common trope in some literature where you have a stand-in that's supposed to represent just the anybody, anybody could be that. And um, certainly in this case, it's not like anybody in the world. I think there's a very specific, there's a very specific, I guess, audience or not audience, but type of person, you know, someone who grows up surrounded by what feels like or felt like reading in the book, death is everywhere. And it is, it can just be sudden and routine almost. It's, it's almost like, you know, the expectation is death, you know, and that to me is very reminiscent of of if we must die the poem by by claude mckay which just feels like if we must die even the title of it suggests that they must die so if we must die then we might as well die on our terms you know and that to me was um one part of the book that was very clear to me like the idea that if i stay here i'm gonna die anyways if i leave it turns out like <laughs> he leaves 
to escape the like racist structures and systems in the South Shore of Chicago, and he leaves to Minneapolis, which I thought was was a uh, interest. Right? It was it Minneapolis or like Missouri? Was it Missouri? It was somewhere where I was thinking, when was this book published? And I looked and, and it said it was published in 2020. And I was like, oh, you know, like, you know, I, there's nowhere you can go. There's nowhere you can go where you can escape death if you are a black man in America or a woman, you know, especially growing up in this setting. And that part to me was very apparent. And then the character of Claude McKay to me was not as clearly like cemented. And then now I'm thinking maybe that's why, you know, and then the one thing that he does do to kind of make himself distinct from other everyman characters is to basically say, fine, if I'm going to die, if we, if I must die, then I'm going to make these decisions and go to a beach somewhere and live with Janice and not worry about college and just leave it, (laughs) leave it behind. But anyways, yeah, that kind of sparked that idea, Kofi. Thanks. I think at the end, when the basically the last chapter or even the last line i think that when he says yes right where yes period right where we belong i wondered like what is he referring to and i think the only answer i could come up with is this place which is on way somewhere or in the process or the journey of getting somewhere or being free from wherever it was they were trying to leave so you're right, Sylvia, it's not clear, right? But again, maybe that is the point that we sort of see the characters at the end about to start on a journey of further exploring where they belong. But it's interesting to me that the last line of the novel is right where we belong when they are not in any particular place, right? They're in transit on their way to the ocean, for example, with Juna. So it maybe in transit is the where we belong i don't know oh i love that i that's a really i like that reading i like that reading or like they're nowhere yeah, they don't yeah. say where they are they're nowhere so they yeah. don't belong the they belong in nowhere yeah. yeah but the idea that, that you don't that you belong nowhere you know and for them nowhere is this beach mm-hmm. hypothetically for, for a minute i thought they died and this was like a, some sort of a heavenly trope or something like that you know like <laughs> you know well, <laughs> like because if you like, think you about know, it I was going to say, it, it seems like all these sort of institutions that they have tried to belong to, first with family. I mean, if you think about family as an institution, right? And then school mm-hmm. or yeah. even the idea of a movement, like a civil rights movement that took place in their neighborhood or, you know, they try these things. And and in college, right? College obviously is an institution. And so they try these things mm-hmm. and they don't feel they belong there. And I, I really felt like that scene when the advisor to the newspaper comes in and kind of, is it fair to characterize it as ranting about like, you don't believe in anything. You don't know what I did to get to where I am. And I felt guilty. I felt like, oh, this is, feels like a criticism of us in higher ed, in college. Like, I don't know. And just the sort of the gap or the sh- shift in the generations like between the generations about what matters to us and what matters to them so I really read that part as like I paid attention to that part like oh yes tell me tell me more about what you're trying to do here in this scene and yeah so these institutions not working out for Claude and then sort of being out in the free open road with Janice like I guess trying to figure out where they want to be I think 
yeah, I, think, I just thought of that phrase in transit, but I think maybe that's the best for me to characterize where we end up, where they belong is in transit. Yeah, I like that. That makes sense. But it's also true that there are in those institutions people who actually belong in them and or they find meaning in those institutions. So big Columbus, he finds meaning in, what are they called, the red belters or something like that? And so there's meaning there. The coach, there's meaning for him there. And I think that the advisor for that person, they found their belonging, right? They found the place where they belong. And it was within that framework. Whereas I guess for Claude and Janice, they represent a type of, I guess you're right, generation difference where, you know, if we, you know I guess I, I would technically be Gen Xer. And it's, you know, for me, certain institutions matter. And for those who might be in the Gen Z category, it might not. So they're in transit, I guess. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Look at you. Look at us. It's Could the hive mind at work. Oh. I'm going to oh. drop my mic. <laughs> I think that's that's it for today. That's all the time we have. <laughs> that is all the time. Um, next time, we will be talking about children's books. Not necessarily children's literature, but it could be children's lit. But it's books that we enjoy that are typically for a very young audience. If you want to follow us, remember, you can follow us on YouTube. We have a Facebook page and we have Dragon Digital Radio. Podbean.com. Take care. Happy reading. Bye. Connect with us. We are Dragon Digital Radio.